Good morning and welcome. It's good to be here. Uh, hopefully this morning can be a blessing for you as we look at the uh, scripture. To begin, I'd like to know what your purpose is in life. Um, I want some feedback. So just whatever comes to mind, what is your purpose in life? Why are you on the earth living in the communities that you live in? Glorify God. To spread the love of Christ to others. Okay, spread the love of Christ to others. Be his hands and feet. Be a worker in the community. Maybe that about covers it all to where it sort of sums up our main ideas, all of ours. So, very good. What is the third commandment of the Ten Commandments? Yes, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. Exodus 27. In the King James Version, today I'm only going to you read out of the King James Version for uh, translation purposes. And so um, in the King James Version, it reads like this, and you can open up to that. Exodus 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So there's various interpretations on this uh, passage. And actually, biblical scholars have, it has been said that there, this passage has been interpreted 23 different ways throughout um, history. And it actually isn't just a cultural trans, uh, interpretations. There's been just numerous ways where it's sort of changed or some people have looked at it differently than others. Um, but the most common interpretation that we would be aware of is don't swear or don't cuss using God's name. And another common interpretation that people say this passage is talking about is not using God's name in an oath or swearing in. Now while this command might include not using God's name as a swear word, I believe that cuts the passage short and goes much deeper than that. So let me explain. I think God here was telling the Israelites to not misrepresent Yahweh, God himself. So we have to go back to, the, to this, um, look at the context of this passage. Here they were at Sinai, um, and God had revealed his name to the Israelites, and he chose them to be his own people. In other words, he placed an invisible tattoo on them saying that they are his. God here claims ownership of the Israelites, and now they are to live in a way that does not negatively represent his name and reputation. So while this makes the command broader, it doesn't actually limit it to just speech. It affects the entire way they were supposed to live and how we're supposed to live. You might say, okay, no, hang on here, let me cut, let me, let me, I was gonna, I got ahead of myself. 
So the Hebrew word for the word take, as translated in the King James Version, is nasa. And nasa is spelled N-A-S-A. And that word in the Hebrew actually is, means to lift up or to carry. Uh, interestingly enough, I mentioned it's spelled N-A-S-A. Uh, in English, what does that stand for? NASA. It's interesting. So we might have to imagine a space shuttle as it's carrying things up to space, I suppose, if, if that helps you. So it means to lift up and to carry. There was no reason why NASA was actually named that. It wasn't based off the old Hebrew word, just to clarify that. So why the translator settled on take in the King James Version is not something I can really explain to you. Now, there, um, I was finding that there are some explanations. It just seems like to, I don't know, they just settled on this one idea. Um, and so, but I'm not going to take the time to explain why they settled on take. When we look at what I'm about to show you, it makes more sense to view it as lifting up and carrying God's name. For one, no word in this command in the original Hebrew text, no word in this verse has any reference to speech word. So NASA, which is the verb command in this verse, is the, world that needs, um, is the word that needs to be explained. And I think the interpretive key here of this command to lift up or carry God's name makes sense when we read a couple, eight chapters later in Exodus 28. And here again, I'm not going to take the time to read all these verses, so I just, you'll just have to listen, I suppose. But in um, Exodus 28... When it's talking about the building instructions for the tabernacle, it also gives details on what the high priest is supposed to wear. The high priest was to wear an elaborate robe upon which it had 12 stones, and each of these stones had a name of one of the 12 tribes, tribes of Israel engraved on it. In verse 29 of chapter 28 in the King James, it reads like this, And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. In this verse, the same Hebrew word, Nassah, has been translated here as bear. The exact same word. So Aaron was to carry the names of the children of Israel and represent them as he went into the Holy of Holies. In addition, a few verses later, it goes on to say that Aaron is to have a gold plate on his forehead on which were inscribed the words, holy, belonging to Yahweh. So right here in real close proximity to the name command, we see that God set up a physical representation of how the Israelites were to live. Just as the high priest was to represent Yahweh to the people, the people were to represent Yahweh to the nations around them. Just as the high priest is set apart for holy service, the Israelites too were set apart as a holy nation. Check out uh, Exodus 19, verse 6. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So here at Sinai, 
God claimed the nation of Israel as his very own and releases them to live out their calling. That calling was to bear Yahweh's name among the nations and to represent him well. So, bearing God's name. And I, I love that picture of me bearing and carrying God's name. Um, and it gives me a more clear picture of what my life purpose should be. Now I have to give credit to the book, Bearing God's Name. I had uh, listened to an interview of hers probably two years ago, and so I'd been thinking about this while, and I finally got the book and read it, and I loved it, and it felt like it was more changing to me. This passage came to life um, when I read her book and started seeing it um, instead of taking just... Instead of using God's name as a swear word, it became much deeper and more important, and I love that. And hopefully today you can get a little bit of a taste of, of this principle. I don't know how well taught it is, um, and if you have any disagreements, I'd love to take it up with you and discuss this. So, um, Anyhow, and, there, and what I'm about to say is just a small, small amount of what she talks about in the book. Um, and so this whole concept and proving what she has to say um, is actually well-tracked. And so you, um, if you want to read the book after, um, sometime, let me know, and I'll gladly let you read it. But let's keep going. So when we turn the pages from Malachi to Matthew, how does this command, bearing God's name, change? Or does it? First off, it appears like names in those days had so much more meaning than they do now. Uh, they probably took a little bit more care in naming their children than what we do today. I mean, I doubt, I mean, they, it seemed like all the names that they made, um, that they gave them, they, the meaning behind the name somehow was lived out by those people. Um, that's, I'm not going to list them, but there's, there's numerous of those people. Um, one of which, of course, is Jesus. And so there's a few key names and titles of Jesus that is mentioned right in Matthew. Well, obviously the first one is Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. And that's his name. The second one was when he was born, he got the title Messiah, which means anointed one. And in that birth story as well, he was given another name called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So now in the New Testament, Jesus was God himself, who is now on earth to be with his people. He was the anointed one who came to save. Looking at the life of Jesus on earth, and we, we can very quickly see that Jesus never put focus on his name. Rather, he seemed to magnify the name of God. When Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer, he said, Hallowed be your name. And there he speaks of reverence and honor to God. He even makes a statement in John 5, 43, I have come in my Father's name. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus embodied and embraced the command to bear God's name. Um, just an example is that when he rebuked the scribes and Pharisees for rejecting God's commands for the sake of their own traditions and labeled them as those who worship in vain, now, Jesus' rebuke here to the scribes and Pharisees was justified through his own actions because God, I mean, he put God first even through his temptations and all his torture that he endured. Um, he never wavered. He stood strong, and he worshiped God steadfastly. Not long after his death, he spoke out. Um, not long before his death, he spoke out, Father, glorify thy name. 
And God replied, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So not only did Jesus bear God's name, but so did his disciples and the early church. The book of Acts is a great evidence of this. Acts 4, 12, Peter declares, There is neither salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And on throughout the book, you'll see people called on Jesus' name. They're baptized in his name. Healed, healing was performed in his name. They were taught in his name. Signs and wonders in his name proclaimed his name, had faith in his name, and received forgiveness in his name. Peter and the rest of the early church were convinced that Jesus was Yahweh, God in the flesh, God with them. And they shamelessly carried God's name on their foreheads with high esteem. The New Testament clearly and consistently portrays Jesus as bearing the name above all names. Jesus wore the invisible tattoo that marked him as belonging to the Almighty God and gave his disciples a clear example of how they themselves should carry the name of God. I know that's sort of a brief, quick little rundown of the New Testament, but then I um, don't want to bore you with all the other details. So I, I'm just going to move on to living, how do we as God's people here, how do we live and bear God's name? First of all, when you commit your life to Christ, you become a what? Christian. That name means you are now labeled as a follower of Christ, and you are to now represent Christ and everything that he embodies. You are marked with his name. If you don't believe me, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ, and hath anointed us in God, who hath also sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Paul confirms this truth, and then later in Ephesians 1, 13, in whom, also, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that, that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. I think um, Joy Carmen Imes, or Carmen Joy Imes in this book sums it up best. And I just, I have a quote that I took from, the, from that book that I felt like sums up quite well. She wrote, we have the privilege, the grace of living as his treasured people, James consists, uh, insists that our faith must be a faith that works, a faith that sets us apart from those who have not experienced deliverance in Christ. Our faith is proved genuine by our obedience, expressed in love for the God who rescued us from sin and death and in love for others. Love for God and love for neighbor embody everything the law requires. The fact that God has revealed to us what pleases him is one of the most precious gifts. It's an invitation to know him, to become like him, and therefore to be part of his mission. So let me just quickly recap a little bit. In Exodus, God told the Israelites they are his treasured possessions and a kingdom of priests. 
He follows that up by telling them to not carry his name in vain. Then we then see that physically portrayed when the high priest was required to wear an apron with 12 stones and also have a gold nameplate on his forehead with the words holy belonging to Yahweh. Jesus came to earth as God and he, Jesus, represented God's name perfectly. His disciples followed his teachings and examples and taught Christ to the nations. So now, now I ask you, how are you carrying God's name? Do you, rep, do you represent God's grace, mercy, forgiveness, holiness, honor, love, and all the attributes of God? Bearing God's name and all that embodies God doesn't have to be daunting, but it does give us great responsibility. And when we, we represent God like Christ, like Christ did, it gives us purpose and freedom in life. So remember, thou shalt not carry the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that carrieth his name in vain. Let's pray. God, we are, we are grateful for the commandments that you have uh, given to us. And then, of course, your son that you sent, you, uh, you gave him as his perfect example for how we're supposed to live and carry out our lives. And, God, we, we look to you for strength for every day as we try to live up to that example. Um, it's, it's hard sometimes. Um, we know that we aren't perfect like Jesus was, but because you have given Jesus to us, we know that you can work in and through us. Help us to live with honor, um, knowing that we can glorify your name, and we pray that we would not live misrepresenting you. Help us to hold your name high, in high esteem and to live in glory to you, God. We love you, and we praise you, and we honor you. In your name I pray. Amen.